0: Good morning, Bethel, it is so, so, so good to be with you on this first Sunday of Black History Month to bring you a word from our sacred text. I want to thank your pastors, Aaron and Michael, for inviting me. and just want to tell you, if you didn't know, that you all have some amazing human beings as your pastors. Um, And so I just want to shout them out um, as friends, as uh, fellow colleagues in this kingdom work, um, blessed to know them, blessed to be here this morning. So this week has been a hard week. Have you ever had one of those weeks where it just seems like, like everything in life is pressing in on you all at once? In particular for me this week, it was like a ton ramped up at work all at the same time. Hard conversations to be had, difficult decisions to be made, lots of backs and forths about things. Then there's a, a weird situation with a friend that I'm having to navigate that adds extra layers of anxiety and processing. Then both of my daughters come down with colds this week. It's just one of those weeks. And when life seems to throw extra at you, you all know that the normal things of life don't just take a pause like the rest of life still has to happen life still goes on. And so this week, in the midst of feeling like life is crashing in on me from every side right God has me in this text of mark one preparing to to preach and find Jesus in a place where it seems like the things of life are pressing in on him all at the same time. And we get a glimpse in this text into how Jesus responds in the midst of it all. See earlier on in Mark one we find Jesus as he's just starting out in his public ministry. After being baptized by his cousin john in the Jordan river spending 40 days in the wilderness fasting and being tested by Satan hearing news that his cousin John was arrested. He then shows up in Galilee proclaiming his message, his really his one message that he proclaimed. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Change your mind, which is what repent means and believe in the good news. See Mark in his writing of this gospel, it it clips along at a fast pace. Mark's favorite word in this gospel text is the word immediately 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 it's as if Jesus is moving from one thing to the next without much breath. And So after proclaiming his message about the kingdom of God Jesus goes and he calls his first disciples and they immediately encounter a man with an unclean spirit. We're only 20 and some odd verses into chapter one and Jesus is already performing his first exorcism, has already preached his, his inaugural sermon. See, at this point in, in uh, the gospel of Matthew, Matthew's barely gotten through the genealogy, right? Mark is already, he's, he's moving us along real quick. But after Jesus casts out the unclean spirit, Mark tells us something that's important to note. He says in verse 28, He says, at once, his fame began to spread throughout to the region of Galilee. People have been catching videos of Jesus on their iPhones, and they're starting to go viral. And everyone wants to bring mom and grandma and uncles and aunties to come and to receive some healing from Jesus. This includes the disciples that... Jesus just called to follow him. Remember, they're seeing some of this stuff from Jesus for the first time too. And they start to, I imagine, look around at each other and they're like, we better see what he can do for us. So they end up back at Simon and Andrew's house because Simon's mother-in-law is sick. Simon is trying to get them mother-in-law brownie points. You hear me Simon's trying to get in good with the family and Jesus, of course, is going to look out for his boy. I wrote a short poem about this in my first poetry collection God speaks through rooms, the poem is called the homes of my friends, I wrote this from Jesus's perspective and it goes like this. Growing up. Sometimes I would go to the homes of my friends and their mothers would ask me to fix some hinge on a door or mend the leg of a broken stool. Can you bring your tools, they'd ask, usually with a bit of laughter in their voices. The way my father taught me to work with timber was something special. Nowadays, though, I carry a different set of tools with me wherever I go but the requests of my friends are still the same fix this mend that for my mother and i'm always glad to put to use what my father taught me and the responses of the mothers of my friends was always the same they would thank me and say stay a while let me put some meat on those bones so after Jesus heals Simon's mother-in-law, and gets a little something to eat, he can't even get through the full day before the people find out where he is. The text says that evening at sunset, they brought to him all who were sick or possessed by demons. And the whole city was gathered around the door. Talk about life pressing in on you. Talk about everyone having a demand on your time. So in verse 35, which is what we're keying in on this morning, we find these words. In the morning, while it was still very dark, he got up and went out to a deserted place and there he prayed. In other words, Jesus got up out of there. Sometimes the best thing that you can do for your soul for your own well being is to find a way to just get up out of there. Now, some of you, when you hear that, immediately say to yourself, I wish I had the time and the space to withdraw to a deserted place. To, to find a way to get up out of there. I feel you on that. As I was reading this, I started to say this some similar things to myself like, Jesus, that's nice for you. But i got twin daughters i got to take care of gotta shuttle back and forth to school i've got to work i've got these other extracurricular activities that i got to take them to there's just so much to do i can't just withdraw and then when you compare this to the other gospels you recognize that this wasn't just something that jesus did once he had a regular rhythm in his life of silence and solitude Throughout the Gospels, we see Jesus getting away from the crowds, taking time away from his disciples, getting up early in the morning before daybreak, just so that he can have the space to be in solitude, to be in prayer with God. Some of us, when we hear the word solitude, we cringe just hearing the word because we hate the thought of being alone. To us, solitude sounds boring or brings up feelings of isolation. And most of us, whether we recognize it or not, hate being alone because we actually fear being alone with our own thoughts. There was a study done several years ago in the journal Science that showed that people would rather be given electric shocks than to be alone with their own thoughts for 15 minutes. Think about that for a second. Many of us would rather endure a series of electric shocks than to simply be alone with our own thoughts. And I get it because of pain, past trauma, old wounds, like we we don't want to go there. We don't wanna go there. We don't know what might come to the surface. We, we, we don't know what might show itself to us. So so many of us go through life busying ourselves with work and entertaining ourselves with other things because we don't actually want to face those things. We're scared of what we might find. We're afraid of who we might discover. It was Blaise Pascal who said, all of humanity's problems stem from the inability to sit quietly in a room alone. And i believe there might be some truth in that and one of the things that we discover as we look at jesus is that solitude is one of the greatest gifts that the spiritual life has to offer us in the spiritual disciplines handbook adele calhoun defines solitude simply as to leave people behind and to enter into time alone with god The introverts in the room get excited when they hear about solitude, right? Like, you you mean I get to just be away from everybody? Sign me up. But the spiritual practice of solitude isn't just getting away from people just for the sake of doing it. Solitude is all about disconnecting from everyone and everything that seemingly has a demand on your life in order to be fully present to yourself and fully present to the presence of God. There are so many things in our lives that place demands on us, and in doing so, they try to tell us who we are. Our family and friends, our jobs, school, finances, our culture, all these things and more are constantly pressing in on us, trying to dictate to us who we need to be. And see, what ends up happening is that because we live constantly surrounded by the different voices trying to tell us who we are and what we should be giving our lives to, it becomes nearly impossible for us to distinguish between the various voices of the world and the voice of God. And so one of the primary gifts of the practice of solitude is that it teaches us to distinguish between the voices of the world and the voice of God. And it's only when we can clearly hear the voice of god speaking to us day in and day out that we can remember who we are and what our lives are meant to be father richard Rohr says in solitude at last we're able to let god define us the way we are always supposed to be defined by relationship the i thou relationship in relation to a presence that demands nothing of us but presence itself. Not performance, but presence. And so what I hope I t- what I hope you take away this morning is that the gift of solitude is given to remind us of who we are and where we come from. It's an invitation to come back home to our true self, to our beloved self, to the self that is hidden with Christ in God. The solitude allows us to interrogate the question, who am I, when productivity and recognition fall away? And God is the only one watching me. Who am I? There was another time in the life of Jesus, found in John chapter 6, where we see Jesus stealing away to solitude to be in prayer because he needed to remember who he was and where he came from. Jesus had just finished performing one of his most well-known miracles, where he fed 5,000-plus people with five loaves of bread and two fish. And after Jesus miraculously fed all of these people, the crowd was absolutely amazed and started singing Jesus' praises. They were so taken by what Jesus had done that they wanted to make him their king. They wanted him to be the kind of king that was going to lead them to overthrow the Roman Empire and reestablish the throne of David. They wanted him to be their kind of king, but, but there was only one who had the authority to tell Jesus what sort of king he was going to be. But because Jesus was fully human, just like you and I, he was, he was tempted to allow the voices of people to tell him who he was supposed to be. He was tempted to get caught up with the attention and the recognition of others and to allow that to drive him in his ministry. So it says in John 6:15 that Jesus understood that they were about to come and force him to be their king. So he took refuge again alone on a high mountain. Solitude as refuge. When his identity was being tested. Jesus withdrew in solitude in order to hear afresh the words of God, reaffirming his identity. See, it was in solitude that Jesus was reminded that he was a beloved son with whom his father was well pleased. It was in solitude that he was reminded that his father being pleased with him had nothing to do with him performing great miracles or preaching powerfully or healing people. He was beloved of God. His identity was secure because he was a son and that was enough. That was enough. See, we live in a world where we are constantly judged on whether or not we are who people want us to be. Are we doing the things that our parents wanted us to do? Are we producing at work the way our boss expects us to? Right, our identities get so wrapped up in trying to live into the expectations of others that we have no idea who we really are, and we lose focus on the one voice that matters. I think of my ancestors who developed a practice of stealing away into the brush, out from under the gaze of their enslavers to remind each other of who they were and that they were made for freedom. As a black man navigating the landscape of American empire, an empire driven by the white supremacist logic it has been imperative for me to embrace the gift of solitude as a refuge to remind me that no matter what they say about me and my people that i am loved that i am beautiful that i belong and that the blackness that i have been given is a gift from the hand of god Church, our intimacy with God, our emotional health, our spiritual vitality will only grow when we learn to disconnect from the plethora of voices that seek to identify us. And we connect in solitude to the voice of God, who alone can speak the word of love over us. We need to constantly hear that we are beloved sons and daughters because every day, every day the world tells us otherwise we need to constantly hear that god's being pleased with us has nothing to do with our performance for god or for anyone else but when we go through our lives cluttered with all of these other voices and busy with a crazy pace of life we have no space to even recognize that we don't know who we are and we've forgotten what our lives are meant for and so we're offered solitude as a gift because solitude gives god's spirit time and space to do deep work within us and allows the spirit to reveal to us things about ourselves and about god that we would not notice within the normal preoccupations of life it's the great mystic the civil rights movement, Howard Thurman, who said, there is no argument needed for the necessity of taking time out for being alone, for withdrawal, for being quiet without and still within. The sheer physical necessity is urgent because the body and the entire nervous system cry out for the healing waters of silence one could not begin the cultivation of the prayer life at a more practical point than deliberately to seek each day and several times a day a lull in the rhythm of daily doing a period when nothing happens that demands active participation and so the natural question and i want to close here is how do we build this sort of practice into our lives Like any practice that we build into our lives, it doesn't happen overnight. It's a practice, it takes time. It's something that by God's grace and the spirit's power, we can work at and grow in. So have grace with yourself. And I just wanna encourage you that solitude for each of us is possible. Leaving behind people and work and stuff to enter into time alone with God is possible possible and it's important that i say that the practice of external solitude is ultimately meant to teach us how to enter interior solitude how to find our inner desert where the burning bush is always aflame and when i talk about solitude as a practice in rhythm it involves scheduling uninterrupted time in a distraction-free environment That's gonna look different for each of us given the circumstances of our lives. And so I wanna challenge you this week to set aside 15 minutes. And take those 15 minutes, if you can, to go somewhere alone, away from people, away from your phone, just to be alone with God. If you can't go somewhere, set aside time intentionally where you are to somehow disconnect, maybe after the kids are in bed or whatever that means for you. And in that 15 minutes, set your intention on being fully present to yourself and fully present to the presence of God. The late philosopher Dallas Willard said, solitude well-practiced will break the power of busyness, haste, isolation, and loneliness. You will see that the world is not on your shoulders after all, you will find yourself and God will find you in new ways. And so church, I leave you with this poem called Withdrawal. And simply hear these words, receive them, and let them wash over you. My God, I withdraw so that I might be drawn closer, that nothing may hinder this flux of love. This arid place deprives me of the praise that attempts to water my soul. No applause from the hands of mortals, no lauding from their lips can satisfy like the silence of this moment with you, O sacred silence. O saintly stillness, O solemn solitude, taking space to feel the air passing through pulmonary pathways, remaining connected to this holy ground beneath my feet. Keep me grounded that I may not be found with hubris, forgetting that I am ever of this humus. Amen. Amen. Amen.